so welcome everybody. Um, so happy you're here. Um, I got this idea like literally almost a month ago when we were allowed to uh, have uh, campfires in fire pits in Toronto and now for some reason we're not. Uh, I don't know if it's COVID or I don't know if it's been super dry. Um, I mean we've had a few thunderstorms so I don't maybe it's not the dryness but whatever it is but you're allowed to have a fire in a barbecue so here we are with our barbecue <laughs> so here we are with our barbecue uh, you could still uh, ro roast marshmallows and uh, and stuff uh, on our little barbecue um, but there you go uh, um, so uh, we'll get we'll get kind of started and like I was saying earlier there's no kind of special format or special anything you know uh, hey Nancy you can grab that red chair if you want it's mine and I'm not using it um, so uh, feel free to, to sit back and you know enjoy a good story uh, um, so in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit one God Amen um, I want to ask you I want to ask you a question, and obviously, well, obviously or not, I'm not looking for you to, to answer the question out loud, but to, I'm asking you the question nonetheless. Um, I'm asking you, where, where, where are you at in your life with God? How's your life with God these days? Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in social media and, and all of this, and some of it's very upsetting and can certainly put a rift between us and each other between us and the church etc and uh, I'm not here to discuss that tonight uh, I'd be happy to answer questions later on or whatever if somebody wants even one-on-one -on -one, whatever but um, um, but what I realized as I was praying about all that stuff uh, is that uh, it doesn't um, it, it, it that that doesn't necessarily have anything to necessarily to do with my own personal life with God I can tell you the truth I remember a time in my life where I was very close to God at least in comparison to now I'm sad to say I can remember a time in my life where I was deeply ascetical you know I, I only ate like intermittent fasting on steroids like I I, I only ate like uh in a two or three hour window. I, was fa I fasted the year round. I prayed ceaselessly. Uh, that's not who I am today, you know? But then at the same time, I'm, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a pimp or selling drugs on the side. You know, I'm a good guy, right? And, and when I asked you the question, how's your life with God now? You might have been thinking, well, I'm, I'm not doing too bad, you know. I, I, I try to read my Bible every day. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I pray. I pray at least, uh, you know, once a day or every couple of days, you know. And, and sometimes when somebody asks us that question, we feel like, like somebody's pointing the finger at us. I learned, uh, I'll give you a little uh, life hack, like spiritual life hack. Whenever I find myself justifying myself, 
like saying, oh, because of, oh, because of this, oh, but it's because of, oh, but I'm really busy. Then there's, there's some kind of guilt that I'm feeling inside, which could be like my conscience. It could be the voice of my mother in my head. It could be a million different things, but it could also be just a putting it out there, the Holy Spirit trying to convict me and I'm justifying myself, right? And today we're gonna, we're gonna uh, dive into a story of somebody who maybe like me now, maybe like you or maybe not, started off really strong. I mean, this guy, this guy like skyrocketed and then kind of lost steam and like, uh, spoiler alert, his end isn't bad. It's just kind of nah, mediocre. It's certainly less than I wish for myself. And it's certainly less than I'm sure you wish for yourself or I wish for you. So with that introduction, once upon a time, long, long ago in a faraway land, lived a king named King Asa. King Asa, to give you some context, was the great-grandson of Solomon, or the great-great-grandson of King David. And you may or may not know a lot of Old Testament Bible history, so King David was like the greatest king to ever live, and Solomon was the wisest king to ever live. And Solomon's son wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He decided to increase taxes 700%. Well, you can imagine how you would feel if taxes went up 700% from where they are now. And that's how people felt under him. And so someone who was already rising to power at the end of King David's time, Jeroboam, split the kingdom. He said, forget this. And he said, we're going to take 10 of the 12 tribes and they became their own kingdom and they became the kingdom of Israel. And the son of Solomon, Rehoboam, he became the king of Judah, which were only two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Rehoboam had, you know, wasn't that observant. His father, after all, had a thousand, you know, wives and mistresses, um, legal mistresses, but nonetheless. Um, and he allowed all of his wives to worship whoever they want to worship, and it was a bit messy. So, so his son didn't do much better. His grandson, Abijah, the next king down the road, he did a bit of good and a lot of bad. Then comes King Asa. So if you have a Bible or you have your phone and you want to follow along, you can, but you don't feel like, don't feel like you have to after all. We're just telling stories. So we're in 2 Chronicles 14, if you really want to, uh, to follow along, would love for you to do so. Please feel free to uh, roast a marshmallow or ro like, you know, like we're just hanging out, okay? 
we're just hanging out like it's not sacrilege or you know uh, or anything to uh, um, so so Asa the king starts off he starts off really good I mean in the very opening of the chapter it says that he worshipped God he removed all the idols he, re he, he tore down the altars if you're reading the New King James it says it says he tore down the sacred pillars that is a very polite term for what it was he was tearing down. There were these pillars for the goddess Asherah, who was a Philistine goddess of fertility, that were basically like a phallic symbol. They were basically like a god portrayed in a very big, pardon my English, penis, right? And these were everywhere, right? In fact, you're going to learn a little bit later, they were really everywhere. Um, they were worshipping Baal, they were worshipping Molech. The worship of Molech involves sacrificing your living children in, in fire, burning them alive. They were, they were worshipping Asherah, which involved prostitution and orgies. and It was a mess. It was a mess. And Asa came in and said, we are going to clean up house. We are going to fix this, right? And he just went wild. And he just went tearing things down, burning things up. And he just told people, we are going to worship God. And the product of that, you find just from the very second verse, is that for the first 10 years of his kingdom, there was peace. For the first 10 years of his kingdom, there was peace. And because there was peace, he was able to build. So he built walls around the cities. The cities were like villages, right? But he built walls around them and he fortified them and he grew his army and, and it was great, right? And for you or for me, the, the moment you get hungry for God, the moment you get hungry for God, God will put, you know, God will put a sledgehammer, a shovel and a dustpan in your hand. 100% guaranteed spiritual truth. And if you think you're hungry for God and you have no desire to clean up house, maybe you are. Hey, who am I to tell you how you feel, right? I can't, can't tell you, John, you have a headache. How would I know, right? You know, right? You, you know you. But if you think you're having a major turnaround and you're hungry for God and you have no interest in cleaning up house, I would, I would suggest that we take a, take a second look. So here he is doing great work and just literally tearing the kingdom apart and setting the record straight and we are a kingdom that will worship God. So what happens next? Blessings overflow and everything is great, right? Wrong. The Ethiopians decide to come and fight against him with literally a million soldiers. A million, one million soldiers. He had grown his army and he counted them all out and whatever. How much do they number? Half a million, right? And he is in this fiery zeal for God and this deep repentance and he's causing the whole nation to repent. And so what does he do? Freak out? No. He prays this beautiful prayer. If you don't remember anything from Second Chronicles 14 other than this prayer, remember this. And at the end of the night tonight, maybe we'll have some time to pray. If some of you 
want, you could pray this prayer out loud. Verse 11, 2 Chronicles 14, 11, And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go out against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Jonathan, the friend of David, prays a beautiful prayer, a very similar prayer. Him and his armor bearer, two men going against a, 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 a Philistine garrison. They climb up the hill on their bellies so that they can't, the, the other guys can't see them. And he says this prayer, he says, O Lord, it is as easy for you to save by many or by few, so save us now. What beautiful prayers. Sometimes people say, I don't know how to pray. Well, I don't really know how to pray very well either. But obviously some people did, as the story will show, right? So they go out against them, two to one, two to one, a million to 500,000. And they slaughter them. They put them to flight. They run for their lives. The Ethiopians run for, and they chase them literally past the boundaries of, of Israel, killing them as they go and taking an enormous spoil behind them, right? taking an enormous spoil behind them. And you can see here how this nation that's just turned from idolatry, this nation that's just turned from sin, this nation that's just turned from and has turned to God and this is, and this is what God does with them. Sounds great, hey? So that's, that's Asa in his heyday, you know? Hebrews 11.6 says, Anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And as we dive into chapter 15 now, we're going to see that Asa, really, if you wanted to describe, one describe him with one phrase, it's that he sought God. He was seeking God and he was willing to pay whatever price to get the blessing of God. And I want to share with you a biblical truth which may be hard on your ears because maybe you're there, but maybe you still have the Ethiopian army <laughs> coming at you with a million and you, 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 haven't, you haven't seen the victory yet. But God promises and God will always 100% of the time, bless those who seek Him, period. Now the blessing may come after a million Ethiopians are knocking on your doorstep, maybe. It might look very dark and grim right now. But if we seek Him earnestly, He will bless us. And Asa knew it, and now you know it, and I pray that we would know it in our lives. We pr I pray we would know it in our hearts. I pray that we would know it from our own story, right? Early in my priesthood, 
like the first year, literally. Literally, I would come home every Sunday overwhelmed out of my brain. And then several weeks, I would just take myself, I would just tell Mary, look, at that we didn't have children at the time, I'm not going to get anything productive done. Like, I'm, I'm such a wreck. Let's just go up to the valley, the Valley of the Mother God, the retreat center. Let's just go up there for a day or two and kind of regather my senses, right? Some weeks I would do that, some weeks I wouldn't. Some weeks I'd feel like I would just, there's so much to do, I've got to work, I, I got to, you know what I mean? I, I don't have time to rest, I don't have time to, I got to, right? But I tell you the truth, when I would go up to the valley, I would turn my phone off, and I would just spend two or three days sometimes praying. Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Literally, church the following week would double. And every week would double. And I learned, I learned that it's not methods, it's not programs, it's not ideas, it's not initiatives, it's not events, it's not... It, that's not what brings people to God. What brings people to God is the Holy Spirit who is inside each and every person. He is the one who brings them and all he's looking is for somebody who will trust him to do that and trust him in prayer. Those were my early days of priesthood and I learned to trust God and I learned not to do great and amazing and awesome things but just to pray, to surrender, to throw my arms up and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do it, God, and I need you. And he did. And he did. The next part of Asa's story is just, is just wild. It's just flamboyant. It's just flagrant. It's just something that I don't know if I would have the guts to do this. So Asa is walking through the palace and he happens to walk by his grandmother's... Yeah, yeah, feel free to roast a marshmallow or do something, you know. Zone out for a minute. I'm just telling stories right? Uh, he happens to walk by, I'm imagining this piece, okay? It's not in scripture. His, his grandmother's sweet. And as he's walking by, what does he see in her, in, in her quarters? He sees one of these Asherah pillars, which I've already described to you what it is. And I won't, again, for fear of being considered lewd or, or inappropriate, right? And what does he do next? He, he gets a council together. I'm still imagining, okay? This is still in my imagination. He gets a council together, and then this part is not. He removes her from being queen mother. He evicts his grandmother because she's an idolater. And he says, we're going to worship God, and, and there will be no idolatry, even if it's in my own family. The, the, the New King James uses the word his mother, but most commentators say it was his grandmother. In any event, how many of us would have the guts to give your mother, your biological mother, who gave you life, who birthed you, the boot? <laughs> right? I mean, this guy was on fire, you know? This guy was on fire on his way back from the Ethiopian battle. A prophet meets him and he tells him some beautiful words 
of encouragement. He tells him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. He will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And he goes on to say a little bit further down, I'm in chapter 15, that was verse 2, this is verse 4. But when you are in trouble and they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, he was, they were found by Him. And in those times there was no peace to one who went out nor to those who came in, but great turmoil was in all the inhabitants and the lands when they didn't seek Him. And he's trying to make it very clear to him, if you seek Him, you will find Him. And so... Hearing this, coming back from the battle, having the victory, knowing that God is real and that God is with them and God is the God of the impossible and God is the God of victory and God is the one who's with us, goes back to his palace, finds this thing in his grandmother's quarters and says, no way, Jose. And says, no way, Jose, no way are we going to tolerate this. And he takes all the spoils that they gathered and he offers a huge sacrifice to God. Hundreds of sheep and goats and won't get into the details. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and all their soul. He realizes that when it comes to following God, it is all or nothing. It's not fanaticism. It's not extremism. It's all or nothing. I remember when the bishop called me about ordination, Amba Bachomius, the interim bishop between Pope, Pope, between Pope Shenouda and, uh, and Pope Tawadros, told him, sure, just give me the, the names of the people you want to ordain. And so he calls me up on a Friday and tells me I have to answer, this is the first mention of priesthood, like this, that, this topic has not come up for a year and a half and I thought it was long gone, right? And he tells me, look, you know, would you be willing to be the priest of the church downtown? I'm like, I don't know, let me talk to my wife, but you know, we can pray about it and see, we'll fast and this and I says, look, well, we don't have much time. I don't want to put you under pressure, but I need an answer by Monday. The possible answers are yes or anything else, anything. And he totally like the opposite of guilt tripped me, like the opposite of that. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. I know the time is really short. I know you don't have, I haven't given you much time. If you want to pray and fast for a month and so on, that's fine. But then the answer for me for now is no. Maybe other chances will come up later. Like whatever, like it's okay. It's totally fine. I just need to know is the answer yes or anything else. And that was a real lesson for me. The answer obviously was yes. Uh, um, uh, at that time um, and since <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I real that was a real lesson to me that it is actually very black and white when it comes to seeking God and to following him is the answer yes or anything else it really is either yes or anything else and he realized that that we're gonna seek God with all our heart and all our soul and the next story in Asa's life is this story with his grandmother. Right after that comes the grandmother's story, right? 
And sometimes God prepares us for these turning points in our lives. And if He's preparing you and has been preparing you for that turning point, maybe that turning point is tonight. Maybe God has been, been knocking on your heart and telling you, I love you, but it's all or nothing. I love you, but it's all or nothing. And maybe today is the day that He's calling you to choose all and not choose nothing. I don't know. Anyways, we continue on in Asa's life. I desperately wish the last verse in chapter was 15 was, and then Asa got a heart attack and died. What a glorious end. He evicts his grandmother. He's worshiping God with all his heart and all his soul. He's doing great and everything. And he could just go out with a bang, you know, just go out with a bang, right? Well, unfortunately, that's not how the story ends. 25 years go by. And we don't really know what happens in those 25 years. But I worry, I fear that Asa got kind of comfortable. They got into a new MO. They got into a new way of doing things. No more idols, no more idol worship. But maybe they got comfortable. Maybe things got easy. We don't know what happened in those 25 years. The Bible is silent. But 25 years go by. And the king of Israel now, remember we said there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So the king of Israel now, he's the king of Judah, starts harassing his northern borders and starts building a siege engine around his, the northernmost city in Judah, Ramah. So at this point, Asa has been king for 35 years. I mean, it's been around the block once or twice, you know. He's gotten rich, he's gotten strong, he's gotten smart, he's gotten wise. He says, I know how to figure this out. Well, what's north of Israel? Syria. Why don't I go to the king of Damascus? The king of Damascus had a peace treaty with Israel. Well, the dollar speaks louder than anything else, right? I can buy him off, tell him, look, Let's make a peace treaty between me and you instead of the peace treaty you have with Israel. And I need you to go and just harass a few of their northern villages in, in the north of Israel, which is south, south of Syria, along your border, right? Do that and the king of Israel will leave me alone. What do you say? So he goes into the treasury of the temple this is the guy who was making everybody worship God. Now he's, skimming the, now he's skimming the money box in the church. Takes some of the money in the temple, takes some of the gold from his house, sends it to, to the king of Damascus and says, do me this favor. King of Damascus says, sure, why not? Goes, harasses the, 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 some northern towns in Israel. Word gets to Basha the king, who's now at the very south of his kingdom, on the, on the border between Judah and Israel. So you have Judah, Israel, Syria, right? So the, the king of Israel, has got, they've all gone south to harass Judah. So he, he sends word, probably by ship, to Damascus. Says, you harass the northern border of Israel, then the king of, of Israel has to come running back to the northernmost part of his kingdom to rescue his cities, right? And you'll get him out of my hair. So they do that. And guess what? The king of Israel 
leaves behind all their building materials and all this stuff. And Asa goes and collects all the building materials and they go fortify more cities. So great. I was smart. I was wise. I made a good military decision. I'm a good politician, right? And here we go. This is great, right? Wrong. Prophet comes to him right after he makes that treaty. And he tells to him, he tells him, well, let me read you what he tells him. This is 2 Chronicles 16. Because you relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians not a huge army and very, with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered you from their hand. It says you relied on the king of Syria. And if you would have relied on me, I would have given the king of Syria into your hand. I would have, he's basically telling him, I would have given you Israel and I would have given you Syria and I gave you Ethiopia and I would have given you everything. But you relied on yourself, so you get nothing. I told you, it's all or nothing. It really is. It really is. If you're going to remember any verse from 2 Chronicles 16, I love this verse. I love this verse. This is the verse that is the reason I will give an hour of my time to absolutely anybody, no matter who they are, because I don't know what God is doing in their life. And today might be the day that their life, they're ready to turn to God. And today might be the day that this person is ready to answer the call and to give their life, their whole heart and all their soul to God like Asa did in his early days. Today might be the day and God is looking to and fro, says the verse. This is 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. Somebody challenged me once to memorize one Bible verse from every chapter in the Bible. If you were going to memorize just one Bible verse from 2 Chronicles 16, I would choose this verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It's like God is looking throughout the whole earth, through all seven billion people. He's looking. Who is ready to turn to me with all their heart tonight? Who is ready to turn to me with all their heart tonight? And he's looking and he's sifting. You know, and he's not, the other day, the other day I found boxes of papers that I never filed in my office. These are from two moves ago, right? So I started sifting through them. Are we going to file them or are we going to shred them? Like, what are we going to do? So I'm going through them paper by paper boxes, okay? I said, forget it. We're not going to get through these. We're not going to get through these like this. I started, you know, like, you know, like... Skip a little, look at one, skip a little, look at one, skip a little, you know? Then I started going like, okay, divide the box in half, find anything useful? No, that half is going out. This half, found something useful? Okay, let's look through half that, that half of the box, right? No, God's not looking like that. I have limited time and energy and effort, and my eyes can only look at so many pieces of paper before they get all cross-eyed, right? But God, no. God is looking through all seven billion on this earth tonight one by one, 
one by one. His eyes are running to and fro throughout all the earth to find the one whose heart is ready to be loyal to him. Is that person you tonight? Is that person me tonight? Don't make Asa's mistake and rely on yourself. The Prophet says this to King Asa. What do you think he's going to do? I mean, he is of the lineage of King David. He is the great, great grandson of King David. And when the Prophet came to King David, who had done far worse sins than self-reliance, adultery, murder, had half his army murdered so that he could get rid of Uriah the Hittite and so on, illegitimate child, all this. And the Prophet came and confronted him. What did King David do? He repented in tears and he fell down on his knees and he said, I am the man. And he prayed the most beautiful prayer of repentance that we recite 10 times a day, Psalm 50. You'd think King Asa would have some of that in his genetics. What does he do? Takes the prophet, locks him up in prison. People come tell him, no, that maybe you should listen, maybe whatever. He locks them up too. It says, and then he began to oppress the people. He lived for another five years. He got some disease in his foot, hobbled around the kingdom, put all of his trust, it says, in the physicians. There's lots of doctors here tonight. No, no offense to the doctors, no offense to the healthcare workers, no offense to the physiotherapists, to the people that can help you with your foot problems. But it says categorically clearly, he depended on the physicians and he did not seek God. Hobbled around the kingdom for about another five years and he died. And he was buried in the tomb of the kings. Yeah. That's the story of Asa the king. As a kind of mediocre end, you know. He didn't die like crucified because he did some heinous crime. He didn't commit some deep wickedness that just sent him down in the annals as the worst king to ever live. I mean, the end of the day all he did was depend on himself rather than depend on God and that's how the story ends <laughs>